This is Steve, an average middle-aged specimen with an average-sized penis, living in a middle-class suburban home with a used Toyota in the driveway. Steve graduated from a mediocre community college and obtained a forgettable diploma. Supply chain management. His cubicle is on the 15th floor, aisle C, section 7, behind a pillar and a spotted plant next to the ladies' room. He packed two bologna and cheese sandwiches and a couple of juice boxes every day in his brown paper bag. He eats alone at his desk. He rarely makes eye contact except for Natasha in Section D. But we'll get to her later. Poetic earthlings. Steve wasn't the worst at his job, but he wasn't the greatest. He never worked a single second after he punched out, but he was never tardy. Let's talk about Natasha. I can't wait too long in the story to talk about her, since she dominates every square inch of Steve's mind. Natasha was Steve's polar opposite. She was warm, inviting, attractive, and special. Everyone loved Natasha. Her smile brought light to the weary office and into Steve's desperate and lonely heart. But here's the problem. He never talked to her. He had countless opportunities at the office Christmas parties, office bowling matches, and company picnics. They even rubbed shoulder to shoulder in the crowded elevator. And on occasion at the community mailboxes, since they lived across the street from each other. Mustering the strength to speak to this goddess on legs was out of the question. She was not only out of his league, but out of his universe. So he resorted to secret glances, held fantasies of them walking on a beach, drinking a pina colada, watching the sun go down in Havana. This was Steve. Non-threatening, unremarkable Steve. If you look up normal in the dictionary, you'll see his photo. Beside simple and highly predictable. But one day, Steve bought a lottery ticket. Laid down five smackaroos for his chance to win millions. They say you're more likely to get struck by lightning than winning the lottery. They say you're more likely to witness a double rainbow in the sky double rainbow. Oh my God. than winning the lottery. They say you're more likely to... Wait, wait, hold up. Steve won. And I'm not just talking about a measly $1 million but the multi-million dollar jackpot itself. You got that right. The whole enchilada. His smug face was on local and national news. Steve? He was the talk of the town 
in nail salons, tattoo parlors, and liquor stores. Steve? An expose of his life was edited and scripted, making this basic earthling seem like the second coming of Jesus. Everything nerdy they stripped away. Get rid of it. Everything boring they replaced with. Channel 5 labeled him the hottest new bachelor. He was even trending on Twitter as girls declared their love with millions of tweets. But he only had eyes for Natasha, at least for now, but we'll get to that later. Newfound money came with a newfound confidence and a two-week notice letter that he sent to his supervisor. Custom-made eyeglasses, Amane suit, hair sprayed and combed to the left, custom-designed personality made out of wit and assurance. He asked Natasha for a date, thinking that the world is his oyster, believing the media hype that crept into his head. She said, well, why wouldn't she? Steve was filthy rich, and she was working at a low-pay, high-pressure job with only two weeks' vacation and no dental coverage. His chauffeured limousine brought them to What About Burger? This is Steve's favorite burger joint. It's a place one notch higher than the Golden Arches. He ordered her a triple-decker cheeseburger, Dessert was a king-sized sundae. Their hands met in the center of the table. Fingers stumbled over fingers, interlocking. Natasha was his. Two weeks of bliss, then he got bored of Natasha. There was Barbara, there was Cindy, and Jennifer. Jennifer worked in the mayor's office. Her job was to answer the phone, fetch him coffee, and laugh at his dirty jokes. Jen told Steve to run for office, that he would do better than corrupt Mayor Finney. Steve hired a life coach. 1-800-LIFE-COACH, how may I assist you? signed up for Toastmasters and underwater basket weaving. Don't ask. He collected dirt on Mayor Finney, spent a fortune on a negative ad campaign, and booted Finney out of office. He was now the mayor of an average, middle-class, forgettable city, but his mind kept spinning. He thought of running in the general election, he thought of sitting in the Oval Office. He thought of White House press conferences and given access to the nuclear codes. He invested his millions. It multiplied into billions. Hired an army of lawyers and PR consultants and rocketed up the polls. People didn't care about his politics. 
They liked the way he talked and how he combed his hair to the left. His policies were irrelevant, as long as he has good social presence and made all the right promises. He wasn't too liberal or conservative. He was a Renaissance man with a penchant for fashion. No wonder why he won the election. I will execute the office of president to the United States faithfully and will, to the best of my ability, preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. Congratulations, Mr. President. But Steve wasn't satisfied in being the leader of the free world. Playing video games in the Oval Office Commencing Desert Eagle. and posing for Time magazine. He thought about the other nations that lack his vision, the awkward, backward civilizations, the unwashed heathens, as he was determined to liberate them. He thought about President Wong, a not-so-simple dictator in the not-so-peaceful nation in the East. Wong ruled with an iron fist, like his father before him, like his grandfather before his father, like his great-grandfather before his grandfather, like his great-great-grandfather before his great-grandfather. Wong was destined to rule. He was born in a palace, learned from his elders not to trust the West, even though he watched Mission Impossible and played online games with some dude named Steve. Blue Leader is online. Wong was a walking contradiction, hating the West in public and watching Tupac in private, calling the West the devil while watching Captain Marvel. He amassed the latest nukes in all shapes and sizes. How cute! Expanded his military and deployed spies overseas. Fear and control was his motto. He had no intention of firing a nuke, only fear and control. It worked. Foreign leaders knew their place, even though walking on eggshells is uncomfortable, provoking Wong is detrimental. But Steve didn't read the memo. He arranged a drone attack. on a military target to test their defenses. Sympathetic countries aligned with Wong. UN told Steve to back down and for Wong not to retaliate. But Wong didn't want to show weakness. At the same time, he didn't want the world obliterated. So he reached out to Steve. Hello, we are not available now. Please leave your name and phone number after the beep. Steve ignored his calls, deleted his tweets, called Wong a fascist, and prepared for war. Since an act of war was called, Steve was unpeachable. And then the unthinkable happened. If you refuse to surrender your country, I will destroy it. You have 24 hours to respond. Unfortunately, Steve didn't understand the meaning of mutual assured destruction and how many nukes Wong had in his arsenal, including the bombs with Steve's picture on the cover. 
clock ticked down and Wong wasn't budging. Steve literally had his finger on the button. His wife, Natasha, tried to talk him out of it. Natasha? Forgot to mention he got married to her to look more presidential. Anyways, Steve controlled all the branches of the government. He was the master, they were the puppet, and there was nothing they could do. Two foiled assassination attempts. By his own vice president. Protests turned to riots. They even burned down his favorite burger joint, the What About Burger. Secret police escorted Steve to a nuclear shelter, along with the nuclear codes and the complete box set of Star Trek. Live long and prosper. Wong's finger was also on the trigger. With only 15 minutes, he prayed for a miracle. Time was up. Steve, the once average middle-aged specimen that used to live in a middle-class suburban home with a used Toyota in the driveway. Steve, who used to work on the 15th floor, aisle C, section 7 next to the ladies' washroom. Steve, the once regular earthling who struck it rich on a lottery ticket, ran for mayor and then the presidency, launched missiles at his enemy and created a nuclear winter. All broadcast networks and digital communications was destroyed except for one. Attention, Red Leader is requesting to play. I repeat, Red Leader is requesting to play. The voice was coming from his favorite online game, Desert Eagle. But how could this game still be online? Steve was alone, depressed, so he didn't question it. He was overjoyed to play with his old friend. Little did he know that Red Leader's real name is Wong. I thought about writing a very simple story. Not sure exactly what inspired me at the time. Somebody threw out the name Steve. Well, I was probably in a conversation, I think, and the name Steve was brought up. I thought about that name for a while, and I thought, well, how how simple is that name? Then I thought about a character. thought about a lottery ticket. And I thought about another dictator halfway around the world and how those two 
were friends, online friends. They didn't know each other. They just played a video game online. Wong and Steve. And then tragedy that happens at the end of the story. Inspirations are they're very weird things. There's no telling where, where you get inspired from. I want to thank you for listening to the show, for taking the time out and, and hitting play. There are so many avenues. There's so many things that you could be watching and doing, but I'm grateful that you're sticking with the show. If you could do me a favor, if you could spread the word with two friends and so that they will follow and subscribe as well. For more information about all of my episodes and even to see the artwork that goes with every single episode, go to my website, poeticearthlings.com. Remember, show compassion to your fellow human. And I'll talk to you soon. How Steve Destroyed the World, written and produced by York Campbell. Special performance by yours truly. The love of money is the root of all evil, and so is the thirst for power. This is Shantae from ctamarketing.biz. See you next time on Poetic Earthlings. <laughs>